WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. And good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst, and I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation. Let's, uh, let's stop the theme music, and let me bring something else up here, because uh, it is the Christmas episode of Tectonic, and um, I think it would be just useful to have some better background music. Not that one. Not that one. Let's try this one. That's better. That's right, it's a Christmas 2023 episode of Tectonic. It's been a few years since I've had uh, Tectonic on Christmas Day. Christmas needs to obviously fall on a Monday for this to happen. And... uh, So I thought we could just have a little more relaxed time than we usually have on the show. And and you're going to help. Actually, you already have helped. You, the listeners, have helped. Because a few weeks ago, I asked for your input into this show. And I'm going to be reading what you sent in. But first, before we get to that and and the theme of tonight's show... I just wanted to say thanks to Matt and Olivia for filling in for me last week. As, um, as Matt pointed out last week, I was getting over a bout of COVID, which was not a whole lot of fun, but I am fine now. Thanks to uh, some of the listeners wrote in and were concerned. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm fine. I got through okay. And I thought Matt and Olivia did a fabulous job with the show. If you didn't get a chance to listen, it's a very different, (laughs) it's a very different tectonic. Um, What they did is they had a call-in show where they were asking listeners, what is the best app? And they, they didn't, they didn't say, you know, here's the definition of best or here's how we're, we're rating or ranking the apps. They just said, a very open-ended question. What's the best app? And listeners came back with some very interesting responses. Now, Matt, in a couple of moments, at a couple of points in the show, apologized or, or, or said, not exactly an apology, but he said, Mark, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, you may not like this next app, but it's Fill in the blank. And in fact, I think one of the apps that someone brought up that Matt agreed was very exciting was TikTok. <clears throat> and, um, it, it, and and Matt was right. I, I am, I'm not a fan of TikTok, although I am a fan of Matt and, and Olivia's help in giving a different perspective uh, when, when, I was, when I was unable to be here for them to give a different perspective on mobile apps and what's best, what's good. Totally different from 
how I would have approached it. And I think it's good to have some, uh, some counterpoints once in a while on the show. And based on your responses, listeners, it sounded like you very much enjoyed the show like I did. <laughs> in fact, there were so many interesting recommendations for apps that listeners called in with. I thought, it's too bad somebody didn't write all those down. And, and then a couple of days later, listener Amygdala went back onto the comment board on last week's show, and it's still there, and Amygdala wrote a list of every app that every listener brought up and all the calls across that hour. Apps like Countdown, track life events by date as they occurred. Um, one, of, one of the apps I was most amused by, this app called Too Good To Go, borderline spoiled food for sale and that's 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 for real apparently uh you can go and listen to last week's show at wfmu.org uh go into the archives and if you find the uh archives there you can find the playlist for the december 18 2023 show and and there at the bottom is amygdala's uh very generous accounting of every app that listeners uh, recommended during the show. So thanks again to Matt and Olivia for, for doing that. And thanks to all the listeners for your calls and your input. Which brings me to this week's show, because this, coincidentally, a week later, is another listener um, a show full of listener submissions the theme that I, and this is one that I announced several weeks ago, before I knew that I was going to get the COVID and, um, and uh, that Matt and Olivia would be filling in, I asked all of you to send me an email with your favorite tech gift from holidays past. Or it, it doesn't have to be the holidays, could be a birthday, it doesn't matter. I'm just interested in what, what are your favorite memories of a technology-themed gift that you've gotten in the past. And I think I got half a dozen or seven, I think I think seven responses came through. So I'm going to be reading those um, throughout the show. And I have some comments because as I read these emails from listeners, I want you to pay attention to the patterns of the of the gifts of the technologies that listeners are, are singing the praises of. Because again, um, we're, looking f- we're looking for the positive on this show, much like Matt and Olivia did last week. We're looking for the positive. And there are some patterns that run through these gifts that I think can point the way forward to a different approach for technology that if you build technology that you could you could design it and build it, produce technology in a different way. But for most of us, we're the ones who use the technology that the tech industry comes out with. And I think maybe there's a new approach for us as well in how we choose and use the technology that's around us. Maybe a different approach for next year. How about we get started, okay? This is, again, this is favorite tech gifts from... Holidays past here on Tectonic. Let me bring up the let me bring up the emails here, <clears throat> and let's let's start with um, 
Let's start with listener Herb. And if if you know Herb, you know he's on the comment board most weeks. His uh, his comment board name is Herb.nyc. Longtime listener. Thanks, Herb. Herb wrote in a few days ago with a favorite tech gift. So let's start with this. Herb writes, I used to audio record live rock shows in the 80s and 90s. I started with a simple $30 desk cassette recorder, but quickly graduated to the big leagues with the Sony D6. It stopped working, so I got the Sony D3. Both are professional units and gave superb quality. I then connected the recorder to a Pioneer reel-to-reel and dubbed four live songs. I mailed the reel to Eva Tone in Florida and they put the songs onto a double-sided flexi that sounded good. We love analog as these were machines with heart. My iPhone has a heart too, but I think it thinks it's superior to me. Thank you, Herb. Uh, so, first tech gift from the listeners started with a simple $30 desk cassette recorder. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to give it away, but you're going to hear some similarities between that and some other gifts that we're, we're going to hear soon. But keep that in mind, a simple $30 desk cassette recorder. Out of all of the technology that Herb has, has been gifted over the years... That's his favorite. Uh, Herb actually included a postscript. He said, uh, I also bought a one laptop per child. This, this must have been a few years ago. That was the MIT Media Lab project uh, by Nicholas Negroponte in which he was trying to send uh, laptops, custom-made custom laptops. These were not, um, you know, Chromebooks or... or or Windows PCs. These were specifically the the hardware was specifically made for the the one laptop per child, the OLPC project, and sent all over the world. And uh, the idea was, if people would buy one for themselves, then the project that would fund uh, another one to go out elsewhere in the world. A kind of a, a buy one give one uh, arrangement. So Herb writes, I also bought a one laptop per child for $400, which also paid for one unit to be sent to a child. But I never got the thing to work. It could have been me, as I'm not very tech savvy. I gave it to the Lower East Side Ecology Center to properly e-cycle. And um, you've heard me bring up the Lower East Side Ecology Center a few times over the years on this show, uh, because I often recommend that people Take the digital devices that are making them sad or anxious or distracted or depressed or poor and throw the device into the river. And by the river, I mean the proper e-cycling facility at the Lower East Side Ecology Center. And that is, in fact, where Herb's one laptop per child computer went. Thank you, Herb, for your tech gift suggestion. Let's go on to 
Listener Hugo in the Netherlands Hugo writes, The best technology gift I ever got was this Asahi tape recorder radio I got for Sinterklaas. And as an aside, Hugo writes, Sinterklaas is a sketchy holiday in the Netherlands, but I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> he continues, I was four, five, maybe six years old. I don't know anymore. Talking about the Asahi tape recorder radio. It gave me the opportunity to listen to the radio, record the songs I love, and even record myself as it had a microphone. It gave me the first chance to make my own radio show, broadcasting to myself and my family. I have to confess, I also used it as a surveillance spying device. Isn't that always the, the end point for so many of these technologies? Hugo continues, I sometimes secretly recorded the conversation in the room and thought it was funny. This was back in the 80s. My family enjoyed it, though, and I always came through. Anyway, nowadays, I have my own internet radio show, so these are fond memories for me. So, and he, he, Hugo also has a postscript, which I'm going to get to in a second, but let's stop, let's stop here for one second. Asahi tape recorder radio. How, how is that similar to what Herb brought up just a few minutes ago? Of course, these, these items are from roughly the same generation, 1980s-ish uh, technology. But they allowed Hugo and her both to be creative in, a, in an unselfconscious way. I mean unselfconscious in that they, th there was no threat of, of being watched while you use the thing. It's simply a tool for for you to create live recordings or mix them, record yourself, and um, notwithstanding Hugo's use of the of the microphone as a surveillance device himself, when he was using it for his own creative purposes, he himself was not being surveilled. Interesting. Let me go on to Hugo's postscript. He writes, The worst or most surprising gift I ever got was years later. I was working at an internet service provider in the Netherlands, which was known for its battles for privacy and consumer rights. I got, and I think he means, I think he, he means that he got it from work, a gift from work. He writes, I got an Amazon Echo Dot. Maybe we were among the first in the Netherlands, and that was, of course, the idea, to be at the front of new technology. But I was surprised, because when I was reading about the idea that is Echo Dot, I learned that it could con constantly hear what was going on in the room where the Echo Dot was placed. And Amazon used the user data for its own reasons. I didn't want that kind of technology in my house. I immediately sold it to a coworker who was enthusiastic about it, and I bought a record I liked from that money. I believe it was a Sun City Girls 
album. And that is the email from Hugo in the Netherlands. Thank you, Hugo. An Amazon Echo Dot. Let me ask you, friends. I, I don't mean to pry or get too personal here, but or create an awkward situation around the crackling fire. I know you may be sitting with the radio on with the family. It's family night listening to Tectonic around the fire. <laughs> but I have to ask, did somebody give you an Amazon Echo Dot today? Did somebody give you a surveillance device today as a gift? I mean, it's, it's, it's the thought that counts. It's nice of people to, uh, to be giving, to be generous. And you can, uh, of course, you can graciously accept it, give your thanks and so on, but that doesn't mean you have to turn the freaking thing on. The Amazon Echo Dot and, and other surveillance devices like it, you can throw them in the river. I mean, if you're in the New York City area, you can, you can drop them off at the Lower East Side Ecology Center e-cycling events they have once in a while. Maybe you live outside New York, and I'm sure there is a, an e-cycling facility somewhere for unwanted surveillance devices. But be like Hugo. Keep the Asahi tape recorder radio and microphone and get rid of the surveillance device. Let's move on to Joe. Should we go on to Joe? This is Joe in Brooklyn writing in with his favorite tech gift. And uh, this, is, this is a short submission, but a good one. Joe writes, This wasn't a holiday gift, but for my high school graduation, my father gifted me an Epson word processor. It was more than he could afford, but he knew I would run with it. I had no idea just how much that primitive device would facilitate my college years. No surveillance tech, just tech. Thanks to Joan Brooklyn for that. You know, those are wise words. That five-word sentence there. No surveillance tech, just tech. I'd love to see a technology company come out with a line of products with that as the tagline. No surveillance tech, just tech. Because those of us old enough to remember those pre-Facebook years, those pre-Google years, pre-surveillance capitalism. We could get our hands on technology that was built in order to empower us in, in some way. You know, whether it's musical in nature or, in this case, textual and Epson word processor. I mean, it sounds like Joe was able to write some college papers with his Epson word processor. 
And it wasn't spying on him the whole time. And it wasn't selling his data to giant companies. And it wasn't hooked into a global monopolistic surveillance capitalist system that plugs into multiple sludge factories that are burning down civil society. You know, it was a word processor. It is what it says it is. How long has it been since we lived in a world where technology actually did what it claimed and nothing else? No surveillance tech, just tech. I said at the beginning of the show, maybe, maybe some of these listener submissions will give you an idea for a new approach to technology, and I think that's, that's a good starting point for one. I don't know exactly where to send you to find products that adhere to this approach, but it's something to keep an eye out for. And please, if you find it, tell me, where can you find products that are not surveillance tech, they're just tech. Thank you to Joe in Brooklyn for that. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst. I'm your host. We are just about halfway through the Christmas 2023 episode of Tectonic, in which I am reading submissions from listeners about their favorite technology gifts from holidays past. Holidays and birthdays, I suppose. Graduations. Whatever. And uh, we're finding that the listeners are praising simple technology that actually helps you do something. (laughs) What a radical idea. And it's time for an exhibition. This one comes from Lyman. Listener Lyman writes, My favorite thing, quote-unquote, in technology was those CD-ROM Myst games that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s. They were immersive and so much fun. My wife and I would play them the whole week between Christmas and New Year's. It was like going on vacation and never leaving home. I miss them. Thank you, Lyman, for that memorable uh, game recommendation, I suppose. I remember playing Myst on CD-ROM back in the 1990s. Again, a certain generation of technology, you have to be a certain age to, to understand how groundbreaking those games were. I mean, it started with Myst. I guess there was Myst. Was it Myst 2 or had a, had a different name? I forget the uh, the sequel's name. Uh, but Myst on CD-ROM uh, came, came out of the small studio. These brothers in the Pacific Northwest had created this game. And uh, being a CD-ROM, 
there was very little motion graphics or animation. It was mostly these um, these these beautiful set pieces of a, a room or a door or a lighthouse. It was um, or this path in the trees. Everything was was very misty, true to the name of the game, and you had to solve these puzzles. You know, you have to turn the turn the dial to the left until it gets to the number that is the same as the uh, the uh, the compass reading on the compass that was in the other section you just came from. Like you had to you had to bring together various elements of the game in order to solve these puzzles, and it was it was just beautiful and it was immersive. I mean. These days, it would look, I guess, a little primitive, but back in the 1990s, it, it did really feel uh, immersive, very well designed. So imagine my surprise and delight when I came across some news, which I'm going to share with you. In fact, you can see this. I've, I've posted this on the playlist. If you go to WFMU.org, click playlist and comments. You can see the links I've posted there. Um... There's a Mastodon post from December 11, 2023, and it's a, uh, it's a, a user named Dieter78. And this user writes, It took a really long time to get here, but I finally have a proper missed cartridge for the Atari 2600. Yep. This designer, apparently, and he has photos and screenshots that he includes in this link, and you can click through from the playlist and see it yourself. Apparently, there are designers of Atari cartridges, even today. And, uh, and this user created several... It's not the entire game, he explains in the comments, um, but there are, I think, four puzzles that are included in this game but here's the extra bonus scrolling through the comments Dieter78 writes that there is a playable version of the Atari 2600 Myst game in the browser and, it, and it's hosted at the Internet Archive founder of which Brewster Kale is a past guest on this show and I've included a link to the Internet Archive hosted missed version on the playlist wfmu.org you can play this in browser a very retro looking uh missed game so thank you <laughs> thank you to lyman for that uh that nostalgic entry i wonder if we did a if we did a uh just a show just about games. What would be the games that people remember from years past? I think it would, the recommendations would fit in with what we're hearing tonight. Simple, fun, solid, uh, not too flashy. These are the kinds of games that, that stand the test of time and, and people can talk about as, as Lyman's talking about Myst, over 20 years later, almost 30 years for Myst, still talking about it with affection. So thank you to Lyman. Okay, next submission. 
This comes from listener John in Chicago. This is a different kind. This is a different kind of um, submission, but I welcome it all the same. John writes, "In 2021, my daughter Bibbs thought it would be a great gift if Stashu gave me a shout out during her Christmas Eve program." And I'll, I'll just. As an aside, listeners, if you don't know, Stash, DJ Stashu is the host of our polka show here at WFMU. It's called Dance With Me Stanley. It's Friday evenings from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Stashu's a great host, a great DJ, and uh, always very energetic <laughs> on her show. And uh, I, I didn't realize that she gave shout-outs um, on Christmas Eve two years ago, but apparently so, and John got a shout-out. John continues, What a shout-out that Dance With Me Stanley was from Christmas Eve 2021. And thanks to the WFMU archives, it's a gift that keeps on giving. We stream WFMU here in Chicago, so I think this qualifies as a tech gift. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it because we're talking about the amazing resource that is the WFMU archives. If you want to dive into those archives yourself, you can go to WFMU.org and click into the archives uh, from the homepage of the website. And you can go back and you can listen to years and years, I mean, literally decades uh, in some cases, if shows that are old enough here. Uh, and if you want to listen to the December 24, 2021 show of Dance With Me Stanley, you can find it there. Obviously, you can you can find the Tectonic Archives there as well. Over six years of them now. And all free, all unadvertised. Uh, you don't have to create an account or give up your data in order to listen to these. It is goodness freely given to you, the listeners. Because we love you. That's why. What an amazing place WFMU is. What a gift. So yes, John, in Chicago. Uh, great gift. I would expand it to the whole station. This whole station, the community of DJs, hosts, staff, volunteers and you, the listeners, and we all make it happen together. So thanks for, thanks for bringing that up, John. Let's move on to another submission. This one comes from listener Mike. Mike writes, when you asked about the best tech present we ever received for Christmas, I immediately knew my answer. When I was around 8 or 10 years old, my parents got me a Panasonic clock radio cassette recorder with a little plastic Radio Shack microphone that I could plug into the 8th inch input. This spurred a lifelong love of radio, recording, music, and also helped me wake up on time. 
Let me just stop there for a second. Do you, do you hear the similarities? I mean, w one of the comments could be some of these listeners are around the same age, so we're all going back to when we were eight, nine, ten years old, and that's that. Those were the gifts that we were being given. Fair enough, fair enough. There's a generational aspect to this, but I think there's another aspect to to pay attention to, which again, no surveillance tech, just tech. I remember this, and, and I, I I don't know if it's the number one best tech gift I ever got, but one, certainly one of the best technology gifts I ever got was a Panasonic uh, boombox, that a dual cassette deck boombox. It had radio, two cassette decks, and a CD player. And um, what a great piece of equipment. I used that for years. And you know what's great about that Panasonic equipment? It did what it claimed it was going to do. And it didn't do other stuff. It didn't do deceptive stuff or secret stuff, plugging you into other corporations' agendas, gross, disgusting Facebook-style stuff. It was just going to play the music, play the radio, dub the cassette tapes, whatever you wanted it to do, and that was it. What, what would it take? I mean, am I just being naive? What would it take to go back to a world of technology like that? Or even just to have a little slice of the tech industry that worked like that? <clears throat> Instead of all of them walking in lockstep, building sludge factories in parallel. Anyway, this is, um, this is from Mike. So Mike says that this Panasonic clock radio cassette recorder spurred a lifelong love of radio recording music and helped him wake up on time. So here's how Mike continues. We just moved in August, and rather than put it in my bedroom, he's talking about that same piece of equipment, the Panasonic device, still with him. Rather than put it in my bedroom, I gave it to my son, who seemed really excited about it especially when I showed him how to tune the radio. Ah. Mike writes, This lesson also made me realize that our new house is in range of 90.1 WMFU, which made me ecstatic as I had been lamenting the move outside of the 91.1 signal. And for those of you who don't live in the New York, New Jersey area, WFMU has multiple frequencies you hear it in the station ID at the end of the show, WFMU East Orange, will be MFU Mount Hope. Uh, different frequencies that, in, by which we try to cover a lot of territory here in the New York, New Jersey area. So Mike is within range of a new signal that he wasn't in range of before. Mike finishes by saying, For this Christmas, I got my son a clock radio of his own without cassette deck. As the volume knob on my 30-plus-year-old model is pretty jacked up by this point. Hopefully, he loves it as much as I loved mine. That's a great story. 30-plus years. Clock radio. We can just hope that whatever brand of clock radio you bought, Mike, I hope it lasts for another 30 years. And I hope your son enjoys it.
Okay, one more. One more, and then I have a few, a few more words before we close. This uh, last submission comes in from listener Peter. Peter writes, I'm in my 50s, and I have to say that the Coleco Electronic Quarterback game was my favorite technology gift. I know it was not cheap at the time, and I later found out that my widowed mom saved up on a layaway plan to get it for me. I used it so much that I wore the graphics off the buttons. However, I am hesitant about buying a used or a new retro version of it because of the warm, special, nostalgic feeling and memory I have of it. I don't want to spoil it, and I don't think I even want to hold one in person ever again. Haha. And that's from Peter. And that, again, is the Coleco electronic quarterback game. And uh, if you if you are interested in the Coleco um, quarterback game, some details, what it actually looked like, you can go to the playlist at WFMU.org. And um, there's a Wikipedia link to the electronic quarterback game. And you can see, I'm looking at it right here, uh, very simple. There's an up button, a down button, a left-right button, which I think, depending on which team you're on, it would know what direction you want to run in. And then there is a, uh, a kick and punt button. And that's it. And then, and then a, a display button, to I guess, to see what the score is. Very simple. And um, it's interesting because my family, around that same time, got a very similar game uh, called Football, one of these handheld football games. This, this was the one made by Mattel. I put a link to this also on the playlist. And similarly, there was an up button, a down button, a left-right button, and a kick. And that was it. And, man, we, on, on road trips, uh, we, would, we would play those games for hours. And a couple of years after the Mattel football game, there was a football two game. This is the one that the, the, the Mattel football was the one with the white uh, plastic chassis. And football two uh, had the forest green chassis on it. And there's a link to that as well on the playlist. And this was the one... It was, I mean, it had such an advance because there was a pass button. Finally, you could actually pass the football uh, over the heads of defenders. Man, we played football, too, for years. Um, <coughs> and that, that device stuck around and, and kept working for many years. So thanks to Peter for bringing up the memories of those old handheld football games. I guess... There must be some sort of version of that uh, on on iPhones and Android devices now. I mean, do do kids have a a dirt simple football game that they can play on the iPhone? I feel like it's all everything on the iPhone. As in addition to being larded down with all the surveillance and dark patterns and everything, uh, that everything is just over designed with motion graphics and AI engines and. <clears throat> networking capability what 
what happened to the old days when you could just pick up a game that just had a few buttons and it was just there for you to have some fun for a few minutes and then to put it away. We can't have those things anymore, apparently. I miss those handheld games. So thank you to all of the listeners, all seven, who, uh, who submitted their favorite tech gifts. The other thing I want to point out <clears throat> is that on, I guess it was two weeks ago when I was talking about this upcoming show, someone posted something about Merlin. Do you remember Merlin? This was another one of these handheld games. It was a little bit bigger than the football game. This was one that was a, a red chassis, and it had almost what looked like a, a touch-tone arrangement of buttons, uh, like you would see on a, on a phone, from 1 to 9 and, and 0. And these buttons uh, would allow you to play different games. Uh, Tic-Tac-Toe was one of them, I remember. And there were, there were a few different um, modes that Merlin could, uh, could take on. And I remember getting that for Christmas one year, and that I put a lot of time into Merlin. In fact, when I play our closing song this evening, on the playlist you're going to see a photo of the Merlin device. By the way, another thing that I learned from a recent playlist, and this is thanks to longtime listener, Web Hamster Henry, uh, he pointed me to the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, which is what we've been listening to uh, as bed music, I suppose, this entire hour. This is uh, the, sh the show on the Holmes Archive called Mary Moog 2022. There's also a Mary Moog 2023 and, and other years that's all electronic music and uh, for for the holidays. That's what we've been hearing. So thanks to Tom Holmes, who maintains the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music. What a great resource. You can click into it from the playlist, uh, or you can find it at theholmesarchive.podbean.com. Just a ton of electronic music there to explore. And thanks again to Web Hamster Henry for, for pointing me to that. Really good idea to, to have that available for tonight's show. Well, friends, we just have a few more minutes. And then the great Dave Mandel is going to be here to play for you another great episode of his show. It's called It's Complicated. It's a prog rock show. And then after that, should you stay tuned, and I hope you will, You'll hear Amanda and Jim the Poet with Bad Animals. And then my brother Daniel Blumen with his eponymous show begins at 9 p.m. Eastern and goes for three hours to 12 mid. So basically just stay tuned to WFMU. If you're listening in the future to an archive or a podcast version of this, you can hear these shows. Just go to WFMU.org and click the big play button on the homepage and you'll hear whatever is playing at the time where you can go into the archives and listen to archives of Daniel Blumen or Bad Animals or It's Complicated or for that matter, Tectonic. Great resource. So that's coming up in a little more than 12 minutes. 
Here's what I want to say to, to, to finish up. And for once, I think I have the right amount of time to say this. Uh, also on the playlist, you know, this hour we've been hearing from listeners about their favorite technology gifts. We've been talking about some of the patterns we've seen. Simple, reliable, good, helpful, empowering, non-surveilling. You know, just, just honest, forthright products that actually did what they claimed to do. As a counterpoint to that, I want to make some suggestions about gifts that you should not use. As I said earlier, if you got an Amazon Echo Dot, just as an example, I'd recommend that you send a very nice thank you note to Uncle Fred who so generously gave you that, not knowing that it was a terrible idea to buy one of those things. And you take it in its unopened state and you find your local e-cycling facility and you metaphorically throw it in the river and you'll feel better. And um, that you can, you can use that tip for any kind of surveillance device that you've been gifted. Facebook has surveillance devices. Google has them. All, all the sludge factories out in Silicon Valley are making these surveillance pucks. On the playlist, I posted a link in the from the Los Angeles Times, December 7, by a recent guest on the show, Brian Merchant, who's our technology editor. He wrote a piece called The Worst Tech of 2023, an anti-gift guide. And there he's polling various tech experts on what not to buy, what tech we should not use in 2024. And it starts off with the Amazon Ring surveillance doorbell. Now I know some people, I know this is a popular device out there. Some people feel like they wanna keep an eye on the street or whatever. Uh, but this is not a device that you want to put on your front door, your back door, anywhere. Because there's nothing, nothing wrong about having security cameras. There's nothing wrong, per se, in, in having surveillance footage around your house. If people need security, that's fine. It's that it's an Amazon ring. It's feeding data about you, your family, your community into the Amazon surveillance cloud, which in many municipalities they share quite frequently or quite happily with local law enforcement. And um, again, not that there's anything wrong with police having access when they need it to surveillance footage but a trillion dollar company partnering with over a thousand police departments around the country to knit together a surveillance state on the front doors, back doors, sidewalks of our neighborhoods around this country, that's not a good precedent. We do not want to build that. Actually, we are building it, but we shouldn't. So 
If you have been given an Amazon ring, uh, just go back and listen to what I said about the Echo Dot. Third in the river. And read Brian Merchant's piece in the Los Angeles Times. Okay, one more. One more thing. If anybody gave you one of these DNA testing kits, you know, like from 23andMe or any of these companies, please don't even open the shrink wrap. 23andMe in particular, I haven't covered this on the show, but maybe you heard something about it. Uh, 23andMe was hacked just a few weeks ago or they reported being hacked just a few weeks ago. Or uh, rather, they admitted. They didn't, they didn't forthrightly talk about it. It was that there were hackers on the dark web that were talking about selling 23andMe customers' data that got people interested to find out what had happened. And yes, 23andMe had been hacked. Uh, as Mastodon user John Overholt posted on December 4. 23andMe was hacked. So if your information was compromised, make sure to change your genetic code ASAP. Words to live by. A little more on 23andMe. There's a piece in 404 Media from December 6th by Jason Kobler. The headline is Annual Reminder 23andMe is a dangerous Christmas gift that could have unforeseen impacts on your entire family, your children, etc. Kobler writes, The ever-worsening 23andMe hack shows the inherent vulnerability of genetic databases designed to show connections between people. And basically what Kobler is saying is once this data is out there, how are you going to replace it? It's not like your password. Someone says, oh, your password was hacked. Gosh darn it, I got to go back onto that site and change to some random collection of 14 numbers, characters, and punctuation marks. That's a real bummer, okay? Well, what if the data around your genetic test was hacked? Now what? So, as I've said many times on the show, it's not if these systems are going to get hacked, it's when. So why would you voluntarily give up your genetic data to a company that even if it's acting in good faith today could change its privacy policy tomorrow. Or even if the company says, we pledge never to change our privacy policy, it could get bought. Some of these companies have been bought. They have new holding companies with brand new approaches to your privacy. As Kobler writes, consider, for example, that 23andMe suddenly changed its terms of service in the aftermath of the hack to include a mandatory arbitration provision 
to prevent class action lawsuits. Did you know that? If you're a 23andMe customer, <laughs> you've been opted in without your consent to more restrictive terms and conditions. Kobler continues, 23andMe has already been subject to a SPAC while Ancestry was purchased by Blackstone, a gigantic private equity firm. We have no idea what 23andMe will be doing in 1, 10, or 100 years, who will own it, what will happen to its databases, and who will have direct or indirect access to your DNA. Business models change, companies are sold, etc. These things are impermanent, but your DNA is forever. And that's what I want to end with this evening, is that thought about our approach to the technology that we use. And I hope this, is, I hope this has been helpful. These, these positive examples from listeners and this, uh, these counterpoints we've been hearing And I hope it gives us a, a moment of reflection as we go into the last few days of 2023. That um, we live in a society and a world that is increasingly dominated by just a few tech companies and financiers. And for the most part, the, the days are gone when we could have simple, good products. No surveillance tech, just tech. So we've got we've to be careful about the technology we use and we've got to look out for each other, help each other make good choices. Let's stick together, friends, because one thing we have is we've got WFMU. This oasis in an increasingly anxiety-ridden media tech landscape. We've got this place. And I'm going to be with you. And I appreciate you being with me. And that's all the time I have. Have a good rest of the year, friends, and I'll see you on New Year's Day with Station Manager Ken Friedman. Stay tuned for Dave Mandel. WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. And for the rest of the year, what would I like you to do? Avoid Apple, abandon Amazon, forget Facebook, and whatever you do, friends, get off Google. See you next time.
And good evening and Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate and those who don't. What do I care? Happy holidays, everybody. Happy to be here. We take no vacations, no holidays here on this program, which is called It's Complicated. I'm your host, Dave Mandel. We're here every Monday night, religious holiday or no, bringing you the finest in Prague and Prague-adjacent music. Welcome. I'm going to dive right in, and uh, it seems that I have a lot of kind of quietish, spacey-ish music lined up tonight. That might change at any any moment. No promises, no promises or threats. But we're going to start tonight's show with music from Iceland, 1970s Iceland, 1972 to be exact. This is going to be a track from a group called Natura, and it's a piece called Out of the Darkness from, as I said, 1972 LP called Magic Key. And we'll see what happens after this.
stop it there <laughs> well maybe we'll hear the next track at some point no i said no track from natura there icelandic band 1972 release album called uh, magic key and thank you julie thank you julie uh dark knight of the soul julie of wfmu fame for uh turning me on to that one it's a really great record and Despite, despite the best efforts of my laptop here, we are not going to hear the next track on it. Not just yet. Maybe another time. But I'm going to go into something 